1: Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today.
0: Whether you're teaching a class or leading a team or part of a neighborhood group, we all have to communicate digitally with with others effectively. And this is going to be just as important, even if we're back at the office or back in school, because we email, we do calls uh, in the same way that we meet in person.
1: How you day, how you day. That was the voice of Erica Dewan. Now, kings, queens, royalty, have you ever heard of digital body language? I'm willing to bet that that pause, that silence, that whoa, what does that mean look on your face means that you haven't. Well, Erica has a book all about this, and she also dives into her career. She's known as a very, very talented public speaker one of the most prolific public speakers. And even though we're opening up in the world now post pandemic, and some are still navigating the new variants of the pandemic, the idea of communicating digitally is still going to be something that's important for us to understand. So I encourage you all to check our platform, but as always, please support, support all those speakers that come on here. You know, they have books, they have courses, they have things that they're all doing to make the world a better place. So please look at the links in the show notes and see if you're able to support. Also continue to please leave reviews on the um, podcast apps that you use. I know Apple podcast has been tripping <laughs> lately, tripping, uh, but you know, if, if you're still able to leave reviews, please leave reviews. They do help with the algorithms and we need to defeat the algorithms to be more visible. Enjoy the show. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of As Told by Nomads, and today's guest is Erica Dewan, the Oprah of management ideas, the number one female keynote speaker of 2020, and a top 20 leading management expert, also the author of digital body language, and you heard that correctly. We're going to be talking about body language, except in the digital form. We're also going to be talking about my favorite thing in the entire world, the reason I started this podcast, connecting, connection. How do we do that? But before I get carried away by my excitement, welcome to the show, Erica.
0: Thank you. So great to be
1: here. The pleasure is mine. First question I asked, you know, I'm going to ask you rather, as you probably guessed, has to do with connection. You're looking at the world right now. And I'm from Nigeria. You're you you, you're, you have roots in India. You're a first generation immigrant, correct? Yes. And in both of our countries, there are things going on now that we want to help out in, uh, in, in a way that maybe we feel disconnected from. So is the rest of the world. The rest of the world is recovering from a pandemic or experiencing a second wave or third or fourth wave or fifth wave in governments and companies. Everyone is figuring out how can I connect? How can I get business? How can I grow? What do you say when you look at the world currently, which seems to be at a connection disarray? How can we find those connection?
0: We all know that roughly 75% of that connection used to be nonverbal body language. Pacing, pauses, gestures, tone, looking each other in the eye, having that direct handshake, creating that sense of connection. Now, as you said, with up to 100% of these connections behind a screen, one of the things that I've realized is that body language hasn't disappeared. It's just transformed. We Mm -hmm. now infuse digital body language that can either make or break connections. Digital body language are really the new cues and signals that we send, whether we decide to pick up the phone versus sending that one more reply all email when there has been confusion, or we decide to infuse or be careful with our punctuation and emojis. When we set up a video call that is not just set up so that one person is talking at each other, but using the chat to avoid turn taking and create that level of engagement we do and we can create connection. And I believe that we can create it in a way that is more geographically inclusive and less visually biased than in the past. And so there are a lot of challenges around the world right now. And it can't all be solved with Twitter hashtags (laughs) and social media posts about what's going on. I mean, I... I'm a big believer in the power of sharing all of our voices and using whatever connection tool we we can. So I'm not dissing any of those channels, um, but really connection is about sharing our stories and creating a shared space like you do for us all to find a shared purpose in, in light of uncertainty.
1: Well, thank you. And you're far too kind, but you do the same. And I've, I've watched your, your talks. I've seen, I've read the reviews and people connect to you in, in, in such a magnetic way because you have that presence on stage. And I guess as, I, as I'm listening to you, I, I keep thinking about that that beautiful phrase that you put together, digital body language. In a way, uh, people are still struggling with that. I'm a professor as well as a consultant. And so my students react differently from my clients. My clients have an expectation sometimes to either receive some sort of training or, or understand that this hour is theirs. My students, are completely different. Some are deciding whether they should turn the camera on. <laughs> um, yeah. You can see, you can hear the deflation in their voices. I even know that I have to turn it up a little bit just to get people because I teach communication. So imagine teaching yeah. in a virtual environment, and I can just see how uh, sometimes when they turn the camera off or they have a, a, a lower voice, uh, I know that something is wrong there. Right, I can tell yeah. from that voice. But how can you, what are the other clues, though, to, to pick up on in terms of picking up on that body language, especially when you, you can only see <laughs> their faces in that little rectangle?
0: Well, whether... Whether you're uh, teaching a class or leading a team or part of a neighborhood group, we all have to communicate digitally with with others effectively. And this is going to be just as important even if we're back at the office or back in school because we email, we do calls uh, in the same way that we meet in person. My general rule of thumb is to understand that there are different digital body language styles we are not all the same and similar to the way there are differences across generations i like to say though at the same time baby boomers are not all the same millennials are not all the same uh, there are different digital body language working styles on one end they're what i like to call digital body language natives these are people that really thrive much more in fast text im shorthand tools uh, maybe more of your students they don't like video calls as much. They prefer to, they see phone calls as formal. Uh, they don't like to be called out of the blue. They expect you schedule it on their calendar. They may not read your voicemail, but they may send a voice note. On the other end are what I like to call digital body language adapters. These are individuals that, grew up in a more face-to-face body language world. They can't wait to get back to the office and read others' body language cues, more of a reluctance with new technology, longer messages. I'll give you an example. My 75-year-old father is an adapter, I'm a native. And when he sends me a text message, it starts with Dear Erica and ends with Love, Dad. And I have to scroll through it because that's as long as a letter. But if I send a text message as an almost, as an old millennial slash Gen X, or if I send a text message to my Gen Z intern, And if I put a period at the end of the text, I'm just using good punctuation and grammar, but she thinks that my text means I'm angry. And so, you know, what I think is important is to understand that this is a language just like learning French or Spanish, but it is a critical language to understand. And that similar to regional dialects or cultural accents, there are even different digital body language interpretations of the same
1: language. You and I had to learn different languages growing up. Some people call it code switching, some people call it cultural fluency, right? The, the, I imagine that at home you were adapting differently than you were in schools in a different environment based on that. So that, that's such a good point that you bring up there. But it's probably the same thing for natives and adapters as they go into digital you know, format, you know. But that's the, the, right.
0: And the, I mean, the, even if we talk a little bit about the cultural element, um, you know, my parents immigrated from India to a suburban conservative neighborhood outside of Pittsburgh. We were the, you know, only Indian family in that, in that neighborhood. And at home, my parents spoke Hindi. Uh, in Punjabi, which means that at school I really struggled. I had accented English. I was the shyest girl in my class. Uh, and one of the ways that I was able to really discover my voice and understand the importance of communication was by observing people's body language. What allowed the popular girls to be popular with their heads high, their shoulders back, the cool kids were slouching during school assemblies. And it really helped me understand the cues and signals of American culture. Then when I was home and I didn't quite speak Hindi very well, I would watch Bollywood movies and I would study the actors and actresses speaking Hindi, but I knew exactly what they meant through the power of their body language cues and signals and it really became a strength for me because I struggled so much as a kid and it led me to become an expert at body language and communication. And in many ways, just like I was an immigrant to American body language and had to code switch myself as a kid. Today, we are all immigrants to the world of digital body language.
1: Right. You, you just described my entire middle school experience. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then I, I went back to, to Nigeria for boarding school and it was the the studying of, of natives in a different way.
0: Yeah, um, I'll never forget, you know, in eighth grade, we were reading George Orwell's Animal Farm and I was reading out loud a part, a page in the class. And the phrase was pecul- peculiar, that phrase, peculiar. Yeah. And, uh, you know, my parents had an accent. So every time they would read something to me, they would call it peck you liar, like peck you liar. And the kids in the class never stop making fun of me for saying, calling it peculiar, liar. And I'm so scarred from that. It was actually my greatest strength because it, it caused me to become a master of communication. And maybe that was why I became a keynote speaker.
1: I I look, I hear it. I hear it. <laughs> it's the same story. There's a, there's a reason why I wrote a book on digital body language. It all makes sense now, Erica. <laughs> um, but okay. So someone has, has been listening right now. They understand why it's important. They understand that it, 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 it is something that, that is probably here to stay, even given the, the pandemic and the fact that the next generation has a different way of connection, and we're just having all these technological advances. The next question is, well, how do I build you know, these connections and these trusts? Because I'm about to go into the office, and we're going to have this hybrid system. Some people are going to stay remote. What am I going to do? How can I pick up on these cues? What would you say to them?
0: Let me give you a few practical things uh, that will allow you to up your game in digital body language. The first is brevity creates confusion. The pressure to communicate quickly can often cause us to make mistakes, to leave out context, especially if we have a higher power dynamic. It can create anxiety for others. I'll share an example. One of my clients sent a message to his boss that said, do you want to speak Wednesday or Thursday? And his boss's response was yes. Now, I like to share that story because reading messages carefully is the new listening and writing clearly is the new empathy. Now, my second tip is what I call hold your horses. Remember that the speed of communication can often cause group think cultures, it can cause us to reward the fastest person who responds, the quickest person who jumps in on a video call. Instead of realizing that sometimes introverts need agendas in advance, time to process ideas so that they're ready to speak up in that meeting once they've had time to process ideas. Even using tools like virtual whiteboards uh, or the chat to avoid that turn-taking is not a trivial productivity tool, it is profound to drive more innovative cultures and more inclusivity in a classroom as well. And last but not least, uh, my third one is assume good intent. We all get messages that are unclear, whether it's we should talk or call me now. And sometimes we don't always assume the best intent. Uh, For some, the call me now in all caps, could feel like excitement. For others, it could feel like shouting. For others, it could feel like urgency. And in the case of my digital adapter father, an all caps text that says, call me now is just because he doesn't know how to uncaps
1: the text. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was, so, I was thinking the other way. I was like, you don't disrespect me. If I don't oh, yeah, no. So, <laughs> I know.
0: Well, maybe that's my mother. That's the shouting one. But but for my father, I think he just doesn't know how to uncaps his text. So it just goes to show that even the same phrases can mean different things. So assuming good intent, not getting emotionally hijacked is incredibly important. And always knowing when to switch the medium. Uh, as I said, you know, picking up the phone is worth a thousand emails. Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, I, I I love that your book is coming right you know right around this time, and they always say everything happens for a reason. I, you know, it looks like you were placed right in the, you know in the middle of this moment to to really guide us through this because w- the, the things you're saying they might seem uh, easy to 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 say, but they're not simple to apply. It, it's it's always that 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 matrix: easy versus simple. And because you're, you're really rewiring a lot of people's idea is, you know, of communication. And some people have to unlearn how they receive pieces of information to understand that maybe what they're receiving isn't what they're, they're used to or what they were taught uh, to, to accept as that. And, and, and that's the toughest part. There's, a, there's an element of losing ego and improving social awareness here that maybe isn't taught in schools, but it, it's taught in the school of life.
0: Uh, That's right. And, and just like we've spent years mastering our traditional body language with books, with courses, with on the job feedback, I'll never forget in my first job, my boss always said, you always up talk at the end, you end your phrases with a question, and that doesn't signal confidence to our clients, or I would twirl my hair when I felt nervous, I would just go like this all the time when I felt nervous. And I, I was able to break a lot of those habits, but I realized simple things like that do affect how others engage and in the same way if we are sending sloppy messages if we are coming to meetings thoughtful and prepared if we aren't remembering that reading carefully is the new listening yeah. it, it can have an effect on others
1: so we should check for understanding something i always say even if it you know that's your assumed positive intent even if it's what we think it is let's just check for understanding wait you mean thursday or friday you said yes i'm sorry you said yes which day did you actually meet?
0: Exactly, and exactly. And and sometimes, it, you know, if you're a new employee and this is your boss, you don't want, you, it can feel anxious to have to follow up with them multiple times. But even simple things like asking yourself when you get those confusing messages, is this the right medium? Should I just call them instead? Or was I clear in my message? Maybe, it, it, you know, he, the boss interpreted it as, do you want to speak, I you know, on Wednesday or Thursday? And he's like, oh, yeah, sure. Right. Instead of thinking that that was a question of either or and needing a specific date. And and so even these cues and signals are important to take a step back, to think before we type, and ensure we have a nuance in our own messages as we're sending them to others.
1: 60 to the 80% of our face-to-face communication, you say, as nonverbal. And, and, and obviously we've been in a remote work culture. I'm sure that is, you've been fueled in addition to the, the anxiety and the, the, the stress of everything going on. That's probably led to a lot of these things. As you've been requested to speak now, you personally, you're a dynamic speaker. I've, w- I've watched some of your talks. How did you adjust to speaking in a remote <laughs> environment where you couldn't always see the cues?
0: Yeah, I'll never, I'll never forget. Uh, you know, situations as I was a speaker on stage at large audiences. Um, a few years ago, I was at a law firm retreat, and I had to speak on the fourth day of the event. Uh, And they wanted me to speak about connection and collaboration and go up and do a presentation. But it was the fourth day. It was a Saturday of a law firm meeting. Nobody wanted to listen. You know, they were looking other ways. They were slouching. They were disengaged. They were tired. And I felt like their body language was begging me, not another framework, please. (laughs) And so I completely pivoted in that moment. I took off my heels. I sat down on the stage and I said, I'd like everyone to talk to a partner about the emotions you're feeling right now. And I want you to share two things that you're feeling and uh, do a little coaching session with one another around why. And it completely transformed the room. People's eyes lit up. They started to engage with me. They stopped slouching and realized that I was here to engage them, to have them be part of an experience. And I think about that a lot because I was able to pivot so quickly because I could read body language now behind a virtual screen. It's much harder to do that. Many times, I'm looking into the camera. I can't see anyone's faces. Half of the people or most of the people are on audio, and it is much harder to engage in many ways. Uh, At at the same time, I will say, and this is where I'll get really vulnerable. I, I do actually think In certain cases, I have been able to speak and engage even better in virtual settings than face-to-face. And one of the reasons why is, especially as a brown younger woman in the speaking circuit, um, I have found that there are a lot of traditional body language biases when I'm primarily speaking to corporate audiences that are majorly white and majorly male. And what I found is that on a video screen, I am judged more by the quality of my content, not how gregarious and extravagant my body language is. I am less judged um, by the fact that I am, uh, you know, of a different color or a gender or background than the majority of the room, because they're not seeing that in the same way right in front of them. They're seeing a a small bit of me, but I'm showing how I engage. And and I will also say that I have a lot of privilege with an American accent uh, that I did learn after some terrible experiences as a kid that that actually project better um, my confidence than my body language of, you know, the rest of my body probably would uh, in that traditional setting. So I I think that I I miss face-to-face and I can't wait to go back But it has been a very powerful experience for me to see that in certain cases, I am projecting and engaging better than I ever did.
1: I absolutely love Lisa there.
0: Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands.
1: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Just wanted to stop by here before we get back to the episode. I wanted to let you all know that I do have a collective for people who are interested in developing their cultural competency skills, becoming more anti-racist. And it's a resource of things that you can do with your family, with your school, with yourself to work through your individual journey to become a better culturally competent leader. It's called UID Collective. And the link is in the show notes, but it's a mix of courses. It's a mix of resources, things you can download. And all you need to do is sign up as a member. It's a monthly membership. I'd love for you to check it out. Use it with your friends. Use it with your family. Use it with yourself. Okay. The link is in the show notes. It's called UID Collective. And it's for those of you that want to improve your cultural competency skills. Back to the episode good so so i you know i run a diversity equity inclusion firm that's my day to day there are a lot of elements of inclusion that you start to see you know even everything ranging from ability to accessibility mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of introverts will probably reach out to me and they might not say anything in the in, in speeches or talks i'm giving but they like the fact they will send They're an email
0: all over the chat <laughs> yeah.
1: they'll send an email or they'll continuously they'll continuously chat um, some people will start off chatting and then they'll show up in the voice uh, mm-hmm. and later on you know some people will some companies use a, a system where they, you can send questions ahead of time and it's, uh, it's been an interesting experience seeing uh, how people feel seen in some instances and also people check out in some instances and it's, it, it, it's, it's an eye-opening experience as I've, I, when I talk to CEOs about how they need to understand who they're serving. Because some of those people who are now being seen probably didn't feel like they had a voice before. And because they were like, I don't want to be the annoying person saying, I don't like this or this, you know, heightens my anxiety. But now because the, the state of the world is this way, it's like, well, I don't know to I'm saying anything. I can just be seen yeah. and it's there. Ha, which belies this point every part of communication is always on this spectrum. Yeah. What we feel, I mean, I'm sure in our parents' generation, what was considered appropriate, sometimes is not considered appropriate now. And we have to let go of that, that fixed idea of what we feel like is is the appropriate way to communicate in order to advance in today's global world.
0: That's right. I mean, similar to the ways that, uh, you know, in my parents' generation, it wasn't appropriate to say the words like awesome or super or my bad in the workplace. My
1: bad. <laughs> yeah, much
0: more common now. And then I feel like the next frontier of that is the emoji and the multiple exclamations and how they pervaded even corporate America culture yeah. now as we yeah. move to digital work. Um, and they're not just used by young employees, they're used by executives and CEOs. Yeah. Uh, and and so I think that Similar to the way we we upgrade from different channel communication channels, uh, like we started an email and conference call, now we're on video calls, we're on Clubhouse, and these different forms, we are seeing those upgrades in our digital body language is as well, and I think. That's the lesson. There are different digital body languages, and the more that we can understand that what was implicit in traditional body language has to be explicit in digital body language. Create norms for cultures to foster inclusion. Even just the power of um, tool, you know, platforms like Clubhouse, where people say, you know, I'm done speaking at the end to avoid that over talking or what I'll call digital mansplaining, and create better uh, engagement.
1: To to
0: right? Um, create better engagement we can begin to develop norms on video calls and other platforms hybrid meetings
1: yeah yeah I've, i was i was doing some research and, I, and you know i heard this or so i read this somewhere you 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 say there's a formality confusion right is that what it's called
0: That's right. I studied uh, that there are four different types of anxiety provoking digital body language. And I talk about them and how to avoid sending these types of messages, but also how to deal with them when you get them. And one of the four is what I call formality confusion. So imagine, uh, Tayo, you and I have been communicating. We send one-liner emails to each other. We text all this time. But then all of a sudden, you start sending me emails that start with, Dear Erica, and end with, best regards at the end, I'll start to wonder what's going on, or perhaps if we always scheduled meetings one-on-one together, but then I'm looped in with an assistant to work, uh, to get on your calendar. This is what I call a shift in formality. And one of the most anxiety-provoking types of digital body is when someone has a, a rapid shift in formality, when maybe they're very casual and then they get very formal or vice versa. And my general rule of thumb with this is to not get emotionally hijacked, to not ruminate about it. If you are seeing a repetitive pattern and it's concerning you, know when to pick up the phone. If there's a high trust power dynamic here, uh, also remember to not get caught up with it and and have a con- candid conversation on on a phone call versus sending that one off email. Whether it's you know do you prefer text versus email? Do you want me to just call you? What should we keep for video or face to face meetings versus email? And Simple things like that can just help you understand what others really want and what their digital body language style preferences are. Because usually it's more about that than, uh, you know, someone being mad at you or frustrated.
1: Yeah, no, that's so cool. Uh, and then, then the, <laughs> and there's, there's, I can, you know, you're talking to you, it's very easy to see how miscommunication can just dictate the day. But when you yeah. have power dynamics, it's just, you know, it's, it's easy to just see how people can be invisible and erased. I spent the first decade of my life in and out of military regimes. So, in that dynamic, the power dynamic, it was what I say goes, and yeah. you on the other side had to be careful. I knew rules early on what not to say when to say, and I was a very curious kid, and I would ask all these questions, and my my parents would have to. Tell me. (laughs) That is not what we say here. It's life or death. Uh, uh, But I I think about that in other aspects of of communicating too. So you brought up digital mansplaining. Have you noticed gender dynamics being affected by digital body language?
0: There are um, gender differences in digital body language. And what I found in my research was that Uh, it, it is not a lot of the communications research hasn't sped up to the gender spectrum. I'll say that first and foremost, but what is true is there is a masculine tone of digital body language and a more feminine tone. And I know women that can have a masculine tone. I know men that can have a feminine tone. So again, it is not just gender specifically, but a more masculine tone is much more direct to the point, fast response times, assertive language, like obviously, or of course, and then on the other side uh, is a more feminine style and tone of digital body language emojis exclamations uh, multiple punctuations you know longer spelling of so with multiple o's uh, preference for video calls versus other virtual iming type tools and What I think is important is for us to just simply understand what is our natural tone and check our bias when connecting with others. In fact, one study by a linguist showed that if a younger woman put multiple emojis in a workplace email compared to a man at any level in that same organization, the woman would be more likely to be seen as incompetent. The man would be more likely to be seen as casual or friendly. So Mm -hmm. similar to traditional body language biases like voice pitch, up talking and height, And how we judged um, individuals often across the gender spectrum. There are digital body language, uh, gender spectrum biases, and it is important to be aware of them so that we can fight them and foster more inclusion. Yeah.
1: Nah, you're so, you're so good at this. This is, this is, exactly what you were born to do, Erica. So I'm glad, I'm glad, I'm glad. It, it
0: came yeah. out of a lot of pain. Uh, and I think that's the lesson. I had a lot of communication blunders.
1: I can relate. I mean, that's why my first book was about communicating effectively across cultures. It was right. six. We're
0: like sisters and brothers at this I, thing.
1: Exactly. No, I, I really love that though, because pain can bring, bring about progress. Uh, but I wanted, before I even go to the, the other personal aspect of this, I want to know, little bit more about your other zone of genius, which is collaboration. You you are really good at fostering collaboration, coming up with frameworks around collaboration. What is the best? I don't know. What are some do technical uh, know-hows that leaders listening can apply, uh, entrepreneurs listening can apply, and other people aspiring to collaborate across? zone difference, time zone differences and and businesses and cultures, what are things that they can just apply right now and make a habit into their culture?
0: So, you know, previous to publishing my new book, Digital Body Language, I spent the last five years really focusing on helping teams improve their collaboration in a 21st century world, virtual, global, remote, multi-generational, matrix, you name it. And one of the things that I found was that a lot of the ways we often talk about connections is about the quantity of connections. How many LinkedIn followers, how many Twitter followers versus the quality of connections. And what I realized was having a lot of networks doesn't necessarily lead to measurable change. The key skill is how you use your networks, how you truly collaborate. And I call this skill, Connectional Intelligence. So similar to the the ways that we've mastered emotional intelligence often in face-to-face, body language built worlds, we need to master the skill of Connectional Intelligence now. And I'll share a story that brings it to life. Uh, If you may, you may have heard of this, but there's a community called the Granny Cloud. The Granny Cloud is a community of thousands of grandmothers around the world that connect on video Skype to mentor and tutor children across India, practicing core. Work in English. It all began with an experiment where one professor put computer Wi-Fi enabled kiosks in slum villages across India and asked what would happen if if the kids had access to computers. He saw month after month that they were learning, they were going on YouTube, they were practicing English, and it began to get international media attention. And a group of grandmothers in England said, how can we help? And the typical response to that question would have been, send us more money, buy us more computers but they had a different idea. They said, what if we created a video Skype tutoring network? Today, the Granny Cloud has thousands of grannies, but the story doesn't stop there. In fact, research is now being done to show that the video interaction that these grandmothers are having is increasing their cognitive ability as they decline in age. And it's now being seen as a model for senior centers and retirement centers. And if we take that story and really think about the power of it, it, the key message when it comes to collaboration for me is to stop asking ourselves, who are the experts we always go to to solve problems, but instead ask ourselves, how could we broaden our questions in ways that we could include anyone anywhere to be part of the solution? How could we engage them in a way that they can truly leverage their collective expertise, time, capital, wisdom, and use the power of our digital body language, of our technologies, so that we stop thinking in silos, in solely locations, in solely countries or cities. And we really look any, to anyone, anywhere, because the fact is, is that we can do it now. And it's an amazing thing when we use it well.
1: That's right. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Ah, connectional intelligence. Such a beautiful, beautiful way to put that together. But it's... There's so many elements of it and a lot of it requires, you know, that awareness and, and, and cognitive use of cognitive ability. I can see why it, um, it improved the cognitive ability because you're constantly figuring out the different environments and it's allowing you to shift and, and not just uh, apply one cookie cutter approach to every single, uh, I imagine every single person they're tutoring and, and, you know, each has different dynamics and those come with really understanding the nuance and the uniqueness of that situation.
0: That's right. Absolutely.
1: And with teamwork, what you're saying is, you know, basically understanding and acknowledging all the different elements of play and allowing for those uh, elements to, you know, reveal whatever is going to come into play and then saying, hey, we will adjust here these are are what we do in this situation, so if this happens, feel free to to bring it to light. It's not gonna lead to consequence here, but maybe this will lead to consequence, but yeah. I'm being clear about that uh I still want you to be open it's I don't know it's like a, a, a dance right there's flexibility, yeah. and I'm sure that given the power dynamics, there might be some a consistency here this is we don't budge here, but there's flexibility here
0: exactly that that's right, I think that. This is an opportunity for us to be so much more geographically inclusive and less visually biased than we ever were before. I'll never forget pre-pandemic, I was on a conference call. Three of us were remote. Three people were in the office. And it wasn't until the 26th minute of a 30-minute meeting that someone in the office said, does anyone on the phone have something to share? We've been excluded the entire time. But now, as we've all had the awareness of what it feels like to be the other on a screen, not the other in a metaphor, but on a screen, we have a a greater sensitivity of how to include. And and I think that good digital body language is, as we go back to -to face-to-face meetings, having remote attendees lead parts of the meeting, uh, making sure we're calling on people using the chat tools, using virtual whiteboards, these simple things can go a long way in creating psychological safety, uh, which you really help the world understand, but also uh, get more and better results out of everyone.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, but in addition to psychological safety, what you do is uh, you help restore emotional nuance, right? That's what you call it. You know, you that you, you said people should move to to become tone deaf. Yeah. Deafed.
0: from right. Tone deaf to tone deaf. That's right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, rem- I remember reading that. Um, and, and so it's, 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 it's a balance. It's something we all need to consistently work on. Uh, the other thing though, uh, before we close is we do have a lot of young listeners and some of them are graduating. I was just talking yeah. about me teaching college here. And so you said that, uh, people preparing for the first round of virtual interviews should over-prepare. That's what you said, Right. What do you That's right,
0: that's right. Um, What I mean in many ways is preparation matters, but I'll give you a few tips if you're starting, if you wanna ace your first virtual interview, but really for anyone, whether it's a first interview or you're trying to build a connection or repertoire with someone. Um, the first thing is do your homework. Really understand, um, you know who you're connecting with. Be thoughtful about questions before what you do before the meeting guides how well the meeting will go. It's in many ways like the new first impression. Even simple things like the emails you send beforehand, the meeting calendar invite with a clear agenda, especially if you're setting one, are cues uh, showcasing who you are. The second thing is during the meeting. I have a few tips. The first is look into the camera when you can, especially at the beginning of the meeting. You want to be able to see them, but uh, you want to show eye contact, even though you can't feel and see them immediately when you're showing eye contact to the camera, they can feel a stronger connection with you. Don't read from a script. Actually, preparing in an authentic way means you don't read from a script in that session and you actually just talk to them directly. Uh, and don't be shy of asking questions and checking their own body, language, digital cues to make sure you're you know good on accessibility or tech issues, but also you can read what they're thinking as well. And then I always say, end your uh, virtual job interview with a quick email recap at the end, whether it's a thank you or a summary or follow up. It's like the new virtual handshake. It creates that sense of alignment. And if you do it within 30 minutes of the meeting, it has a much bigger impact than say even a few hours later or days later. Oh,
1: wow. Wow. There you have it. There you have it. All the tips you need, and I'm sure that uh, you know. Once you show up as your authentic self, the best result will show up. You know, even if it's not the right opportunity, but it is something that will allow you to practice being yourself. I, I think one of the the things that I'm hoping the pandemic has helped people realize is that being who they are is, is more than enough. And some institutions might accept it, some might not, but that self worth comes from acceptance of that. So, yeah. Hmm. You accepted yourself, Erica, and then you wanted to- I accepted it.
0: myself and we can all do that. Yeah, and if yeah. we take the time to not only be who we are, but understand the nuances of digital body language with it, we can we can give the permission for everyone to truly be themselves as well.
1: Yeah, and and one of the ways to do that was to, to go outside of the traditional career paths uh, that come from immigrants. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. I'm not a doctor or lawyer. I think my parents are finally over the curve, but, but you know, it took about 35 years.
1: <laughs> in Nigeria, it is a joke. You, you're a doctor, lawyer, engineer, or failure. So, yep. so yeah. we went that. In my
0: culture in India, I was those three or housewife.
1: Ah, uh, well, you know, you certainly did. You deviated. You deviated a lot. Uh, I'm curious as to, as to why. Why did you decide not to? go down the traditional paths.
0: I'll, I'll never forget, uh, you know, being a high school senior and realizing how cool business was. Uh, you know, I was 17 years old and I was asked to speak at an entrepreneurship competition. And uh, I was very shy, as you know, um, in school, but I thought to myself, you know, if I use my body language, if I really express myself, I can do a great job. And I went up and I did this pitch in this entrepreneur competition and all the attendees were like you were the best speaker i've seen at this high school competition i was in shock because i never spoke up and um i i built so much confidence from others saying you know you do a great job with this you should do more of it and it got me hooked on the power of speaking of communication uh and business and leadership skills and i'll never forget you know when i got into wharton at the university of pennsylvania um as a high school senior early decision to go um to college, my father was so upset. He said, you have to do a biology major. (laughs) And, um, in, you know, and I think that in many ways I've had to understand that we have to honor our cultural backgrounds and I understand the shared story that my father has, and then also honor the new stories that I'm creating, that I'm bringing to my daughter and my son. Mm -hmm. Uh, and Uh, you know, I, I have been able to let go of a lot of those things and embrace the black sheep, but never forget and honor how hard my family and my ancestry has worked to even give me the opportunity to be able to choose what my profession is.
1: Wow. Well, uh, I can't think of a better place to close than that. So the, once again, your book, where can people find that?
0: My new book, Digital Body Language, is available everywhere. Audible, Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, you name it. And I hope you enjoy it. Spread the word and write reviews. Yes,
1: yeah, so we'll put that in the show notes. And I always ask my guests this last question. And the question is, how do you use your difference to make a difference? I almost feel like you answered that just a few minutes ago. <laughs> but if you have anything to add, how do you use your difference to make a difference?
0: I talk about it and I don't <laughs> shy away from it. And I think that oh. that makes a difference.
1: <laughs> she talks about it. She does a show. It. And that's how she does it. The author of Digital Body Language, Erica Dewan. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing all these amazing tips and platforms reminding us to really tap into our inner selves and understand the world that exists around us.
0: Thank you so much.
1: The pleasure is mine. Till next time, kings, queens, and royalty. Use your difference to make a difference.